0: You're listening to The Pipeline Show. That's right. Now, say my name. With Guy Flaming. You're goddamn right.
1: Welcome back to The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. The the big guest of the day about to join me. He's my uh, CHL insider, and he's also, uh, the because he's the commissioner of the WHL, it's an In the Dub segment. Keep up to date on everything happening around the Western Hockey League. Dubnetwork.ca. Make that one of your visits every day. Uh, Pleased to be joined once again by the commissioner of the Western Hockey League, Ron Robinson, welcome to the Pipeline Show. Uh, Ron, welcome back. And uh, how's things so far this
2: summer? Well, thanks very much. First of all, gee, for having me. Uh, it's Going very well. It's a busy off season, but uh, it uh, the game never seems to stop these uh, these uh, this time of year for sure.
1: Yeah, I joke that that really July is kind of the only down season. At least for me, it is because in in August uh, camps open up again, and of course to have things like the Linkat Gretzky and the the uh, all the Hockey Canada events. But what's July like for the Western Hockey League?
2: Well, it's very busy. Uh I I don't think there's really a month of the year that's not extremely busy. Uh even though the game stopped, the uh, the uh administrative side of the game is uh, very active and we're into our plans for next season and uh working away and but everybody is trying to get a break at some point in time. And certainly July is a little slower than uh, some of the other months.
1: All right, well, let's talk about the, some of those things. Well, before we get to what's on your agenda this summer, let's look back at this past season. In your perspective, uh what were two or three of the highlights for the WHL over the last uh, 12 months?
2: Well, there's no question uh, when you look at our championship series and Prince Albert Raiders winning their first uh, WHL championship since the mid-1980s, uh, what a highlight for not only the Raider organization but the entire community. And I think from our standpoint, uh, back-to-back seasons with small market teams, last year the Swift Current Broncos, and this year with the Prince Albert Raiders, what a good news story that is. And it really helped solidify that franchise moving forward because, as you're well aware, in the smaller markets, there's challenges, and uh, and certainly in Prince Albert, we need a new facility, and uh, the timing couldn't have been better for their run uh, in the WHL playoffs and winning the championship.
1: Anything specific about uh, small markets that, you know, because, as you mentioned, PA, Swift Current, the last two champions, and, and it hasn't been the, the major markets, uh, but that, is it just a cyclical thing? Is it just happens to be back-to-back years? It might happen twice in 10 years, but it then this time it just happened to be back-to-back.
2: Well, I think it speaks to a couple things. One, our model is really designed to uh, um, make sure that... uh Teams in small markets can compete with teams in large markets, and uh, and um, we've I think developed a very successful model that uh, we're very disciplined around and making sure all teams have equal access to the talent pool. But you have to give the Raider organization and the Bronco organization, for that matter, last year, a lot of credit because uh, they built a very competitive hockey program, and uh, that takes time and patience, and and they were stuck with it and uh, got it done. So, um, but it does speak to the fact that I think it gives every team and and fans across the league the hope that uh, regardless of the size of the market you can be competitive in this league
1: Uh, i noticed over the last year uh, a a kind of a different feel uh, on uh, online especially social media wise for for the western hockey league that's a a credit to some of the staff that you have uh, that you've brought in over the last couple of years and growing that uh, social media uh, environment or uh, the audience social media wise uh, important for the league moving forward
2: well, it's extremely important, uh, not only social media, but all media outlets and, uh, you know, making sure that whether it's our radio broadcast group or whether it's our, uh, local beat writers who follow our teams throughout the course of the season. Of course, the media industry, as you're well aware, has changed, uh, dramatically and we put an awful lot of emphasis on social media and our communications group here does an outstanding job. And we're just continuing to find ways to deliver an- information and, uh, make sure that our content is, uh, is out there, whether it's on our website, social media or other, uh, other platforms,
1: uh, Ron. On the show this month, uh, I'm kind of uh, speaking with uh, people like yourself from various leagues. Uh, last week, I had Kevin Abrams, the uh, chairman for the, the Canadian Junior Hockey League, all the Junior A teams. And, and because my audience is across North America, there'll be people that you're that'll be hearing you right now who aren't necessarily familiar with the WHL. So some of these questions might be fairly general, uh, but maybe uh, know that going in that it's uh, for an audience that might not be uh, avid whl followers um what's your role as commissioner of the western hockey league
2: well it uh overall it's responsible for the operation of the western hockey league uh, and in particular the whl office uh, we have a significant uh, staff here who um to not only uh, oversee all of the games but uh, handle the administration and the and the financial aspects of the league so it's really from a commissioner's perspective it's really looking at the governance of the league the clubs working with the board of governors to ensure we have policies regulations in place to uh, that serve the players and the game well and uh, and work with key constituents uh, that are out there, of course, uh, Hockey Canada and Canadian Hockey League and National Hockey League, and so forth. So it's um, yeah, it's a, it's the beauty of the job, as I tell people every day, is it is different every day. There's something a new challenge, whether it's a a hockey matter, or a business-related matter. There's always something new uh, coming at us, and uh, but we really enjoy it because of the fact that there's. Uh, we're working with young players who are getting an opportunity to move on to the next level.
1: You have a couple of counterparts: uh, one for the OHL and the and the and the Q. And over top of that, there will be a, a CHL present. Well, maybe I'll get your thoughts on that in a second. But within the WHL, do you have ultimate authority to make rule changes, sweeping changes? Like, if you wanted to change a rule, do you have the the authority, or how does that? There's a committee. Uh, how does the process work?
2: well ultimately the authority of um, governance within the league whether it's rule changes or uh Regulation changes is the decision made by the Board of Governors. The general managers and committees within the general managers and the, the Board of Governors work on various matters, policy matters, uh, and they're brought forward to the Board of Governors. My responsibility is at the operating level and to ensure that the regulations are enforced and to make sure that uh, the, the clubs are complying with our standards and uh, rules and regulations throughout the course of the season.
1: All right, so for example, you last year the league went from 72 games to 68 games is that something that is decided that you have veto power over or anything like that or is it all voted on by the the, the league uh, governors and and you go from there
2: well the commissioner has some far reaching authority of which i you know if required i would uh, would act on but no in this particular case normally what we do is we try to build consensus through uh, in this in the, in the case of the schedule and looking at the uh, at what our plans were moving forward and move from the seventy two games to sixty eight games, which by the way we think has been a real um, um, very advantageous for the players and their development overall and that's what it was really directed to do uh, was a committee of um of nine uh governors uh within the league and that was a special committee that we put together because it was a a rather significant discussion and uh, one one that we wanted to make sure uh, was brought forward with a with a strong recommendation from a committee but we have standing committees executive committee finance committee uh, um, uh, business development committee for instance on the business side and we've hockey operations side that would normally look after a lot of those recommendations coming forward but in this in that particular case uh, with a significant decision on behalf of the league we uh, we established a special committee to uh, uh, to deal with that
1: well, and, and just uh, specifically about the games, uh, the number of games, uh, as you mentioned, that you feel the league feels that it was a successful decision. Uh, I know it's only four games, so I, I, I think part of the reasoning behind it was to alleviate some of the travel time and, and all of those things, uh, increase maybe practice time for, for teams. But it's only four games. In the long run, was there significant uh, difference in your opinion?
2: Oh, real improvement, I believe, overall to the um, the player experience uh, that we want uh, for the players. Uh, um, we we look at it in a number of different ways. We look at our schedule which is very divisional-based. I think we have the best rivalry, rivalries, arguably, of any league in the game today. Um, that really helps us in a lot of ways because we're able to have competitive games within our divisions, and a lot of our scheduling philosophy is based on divisional play. So when you look at that, combined with a reduced schedule, it really helps players combine their education and hockey while playing. Now, many of our players... Uh, 35% are high school age players and consequently there's a uh, important to make sure that they're um, not missing school and they're available uh, uh to uh have their studies and maintain their studies at a high standard and and uh then of course as far as training and development is concerned uh, there's more time for practices more time for off training and so when you look at that uh uh, there was fewer, less uh, midweek games and more in the weekend games. It's more compacted schedule in that respect, but we felt that um, the offset of that would be less travel demands and more time for recovery during the course of the week.
1: Was it a tough sell for some teams? It also meant two fewer home dates.
2: Yeah, when you take away uh, two home games uh, with revenue attached to those games, it was a very difficult decision, and I think people in hockey as you well aware that they look at it and they say well this is what we've always done that's kind of the response you get our schedule's always been 72 games why change why change because that's going to affect uh, everything we do from historical stats to uh, to records etc cetera, etc cetera. but i think when you look at it today we have to challenge ourselves to make the best uh, our commitment to the players and to their families is to make the, the experience uh, developmentally the best we possibly can and so consequently uh, i think we landed in a very good spot
1: Ron Robinson, the WHL's uh, Commissioner, uh, my guest here on the Pipeline show in our uh, In the Dub segment, also our CHL Insider segment uh, today as well. Uh, a, a few questions. I put the feelers out to the audience, uh, my audience, uh, that uh, you were coming on the show and open it up to, uh, to questions from the audience. And I, I, you won't be surprised, the vast majority, there were two things. Uh, one of them wanted to know if there was a new TV deal, TV deal uh, in the works. This time last year when we chatted, you were hopeful that there would be something. Uh It turned out, what, there was a regional package available in in Saskatchewan. That was about it. Uh, where are things standing right now?
2: Well, yeah, when you refer to our television broadcast partners, we do have a national partner in Rogers Sportsnet, and we are fortunate to have extensive coverage of CHL special events in some games during the course of the regular season and playoffs. I think our expectation was to continue our regional cable coverage, which we... um uh unfortunately uh lost a year or two years ago and, and consequently we have not been able to fill that void and uh that's a function of really the industry changes in the platforms of delivery of content uh, in, the, in the hockey world and so we're working hard to build our WHL live streaming system, uh, network and and the numbers have increased significantly in those areas and um, we are looking at new ways to deliver from a broadcast standpoint up against uh, up against a very challenging industry, as you 're well aware and and um so we're looking at that. Uh, we need to find ways to make sure our championship series are broadcast. Uh, as I mentioned before, we've got great, great games during the course of the season, rivalry games, which we feel should be broadcast, special events, and so forth. So we are looking at that. And uh, But the challenge today is that the cable industry in Western Canada has changed dramatically, and we have to adapt to that too as well. So whether that's going to be a new-look streaming pro- product that we're building, or whether it's going to be a combination of cable and uh, streaming. Uh, that's something we're working right now on the off-season on.
1: Well, and you hit on the other big uh, topic for uh, fans who are sending in questions was the WHL Live package, and not just to make it cheaper, but to make it uh, maybe more av- accessible, maybe more available. I I wonder, has the thought ever – Pete Labardius, uh, who's a good friend of the show, uh, threw this out there a couple of years ago about having perhaps a game of the week, a game where it was – you know, on a, not on a busy night, but on a Thursday where it was the only game in the WHL and, and making it free and available right on the WHL website, you know, and not on TV, but maybe to introduce the audience to the, to the game and expose the WHL to a wider audience that way. Has that been thought of?
2: Yes. Uh, that's some of the things that we're working on in the offseason. Uh, we're, we're very well aware of that. Uh, we are, uh, attempting to do, uh, deliver the, the games to our fans in the most economical and, and, um, reasonable fashion as we possibly can. And we did that last year with our tiebreaker game in Kamloops, uh, Kel- mm-hmm. Kelowna Kamloops game, which was, had a huge audience. So we see some real, uh, positives to that. It's just that we have a series of partners that we've got to work with on that to, to come to a, to a landing place. But we are going to make some adjustments clearly on our, on our um, arrangements for next season and uh, hopefully that'll uh, build us uh further larger audience and make it more available to all of our fans
1: and cost more cost effective i know this time last year we were we were chatting about that as well and uh, there was a, a one-year deal left with uh, your current partner in that facility but uh, the american hockey league brought out a package which was i think it was 70 bucks or something along those lines for the season it was much cheaper than uh than what we were able to get with whl live is there a a financial improvement for fans?
2: Well, we're working on that. Uh, we've, we've got um, partnerships with the Canadian Hockey League and and uh, with uh, suppliers uh, for another year still on that program, and so mm-hmm. we will have some ability to make some adjustments, so we're going to do whatever we can. Uh, the American Hockey League is an entire different model, and uh, we're working towards something similar in the future to that, but um, we understand what the concerns are, and we're certainly trying to address them.
1: I, I wonder if uh, if we'd ever see a day where... Listen, I want to watch uh, the Prince Albert Raiders play, but I also want to see the, the Sioux Greyhounds or the uh, Quebec Rempart. Could there be one package instead of me having to buy one for each three league?
2: That's a possibility, uh, no question. Those are some of the things we're looking at. I think we're going to look at trying to open up the games rather than individual uh uh, purchase for an individual game to make it open available on a, on a game by, uh, sorry, on a day by day basis. And, and so those kinds of things. So you're not just restricted to one game. So we are looking at ways in which we can open that up and make it more available. And, uh, less cost prohibitive for uh, for our fan
1: base ron let's uh, turn our attention to the scholarship package for a second and, and again uh, I, i'm pretty well versed we've talked about it a lot here on this show but for some in the audience who might be listening to us uh, talk for the first time about the the whl scholarship package uh bare bones uh, you get a year of scholarship uh, tuition and books uh, paid for every year that you play in the league uh, is there and that's real general sense there's probably more to it than that correct
2: yeah and whether it's the western hockey league or the canadian hockey league we've been well known for for many many years or since our in fact we originated over 50 years ago as a leading supplier to the national hockey league and that's what most people know us about but now the majority of our players especially in the western hockey league are uh, accessing their scholarship and uh, and upon graduation they have the opportunity to access a uh, scholarship based on the number of years played a year for each year of those years which would which would be uh, translated into a full scholarship and and uh, a post secondary institution of their choice, so upon graduation, if they played four seasons in the league, they'll have four years. Of uh, scholarship benefits to uh, to allocate to a scholarship in any uh, school, and many of those players, of course, go on to play Canadian university hockey, which is exceptional but we 're very proud of the fact this year we had over four hundred players it was our twenty fifth year um, we 've had over six thousand players through this program and uh, I think what people need to understand is in Canada there is a and not only a scholarship program, but a program equivalent to any scholarship in North America. And it's a, it's an outstanding program for young players. And that's quite, quite frankly one of the reasons that uh, the combination of the hockey development experience that we offer for young players combined with our scholarship program that's so well established today is the reason that uh, young prospects are coming to our league.
1: Is the WHL scholarship different uh, in many ways from the OHL and what the Q offers?
2: the essentially they're all the same is that for the years played uh, the player gets the benefit uh, from a scholarship package upon graduation, but there are some slight variances to them um, in the Ontario League and Quebec League versus our league and our, our league is um, really designed to make sure that every player gets the same benefit regardless of um, of um, of the the location or whatever you're based uh your 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 funds are based on the uh, uh the institution that you your know, province which you come from and uh so you can use that value of your scholarship for uh, uh, post-secondary purposes upon graduation from the league
1: and does it matter if you're a first round pick uh, by the edmonton oil kings or a 10th round pick of the victoria royals you get the same scholarship package or if you're a listed player by the medicine at tigers does it matter
2: exactly the same uh, benefit. Uh, All players receive the same benefit and the flexibility of the scholarship program is also something that's really uh, uh, extremely attractive to families and to young players and that uh, they can decide what institution they wish to attend any career enhancing post secondary whether it's a college university trade school is available but of course as I mentioned the majority are are certainly looking at the opportunities to continue their hockey and play uh, at a high level in the Canadian university system
1: now the recruitment of players uh when you're you're also you're competing against the other teams in the WHL from a from a team perspective not you but also against the the US system the college system in the states so to entice a player who might be committed to a college to come to play for a WHL team, is a team allowed to offer in excess of that scholarship package? Or could they say, uh, we'll give you a guaranteed four years, even though you might only play two, is a team allowed to do thump- something like that?
2: No. No, they're not. Uh, we have very clear regulations around the ability to offer a player, and uh, I think the um, one of the most attractive parts of our league is the fact that every player is treated the same, uh, whether you're, again, as you mentioned, draft in the first round or the or the sixth or seventh round, it makes no difference. The player is going to receive essentially the same package. So, um, <clears throat> the uh, general manager is uh, really restricted on what they can do. It really uh, comes down to the quality of the program you're offering. And um, you know, I think when you look at our teams and the exceptional job they do, from an environment that they offer the players. The coaching, the facilities, the quality of competition, combined with our scholarship program, which is fully guaranteed, um, it's uh, it's just it gives the parents a peace of mind that they're going to a very very attractive program.
1: All right, now if that is a no-no, if if somebody was to do that, uh, what would the penalty be?
2: Well, the, the penalties are significant if the uh if a team uh if that was to occur and uh we're fortunate that, that hasn't occurred and um you know there uh but there would be significant uh penalties attached to that. And our teams are very, very respectful. I look at the um our large market teams, uh our Teams that are, are um, I guess in a more advantageous situation, they've never taken advantage whatsoever of the situation uh, that they might have an economic benefit over, or advantage over another team. And so it's uh, there's great respect to the regulations and to the uh, uh, making sure that all teams have equal access to the talent pool.
1: Can we say that about the CHL import draft as well? It seems like, at least the criticism has been there, that it's a, a deal more with uh, whoever you can pay the most money to, to get and commit to your program. How do you maintain or make sure that everything is above board when it comes to the CHL import draft?
2: Well, we monitor that very closely. We, um, we've had teams, uh, all teams are required to sign statutory declarations, affidavits, uh, that there's significant consequences if they violate the import draft rules. There's a um, monitoring that takes place. The clubs themselves can file complaints at any time if they feel that there's a club that has not complied with the regulations. So we watch that very closely uh, certainly within the Western Hockey League I can't comment on the Ontario or Quebec League but we certainly do in the west and uh make sure that our teams are compliant with, whether it's the import draft or any other um uh, regulation as applies to the player access uh, that's something that we take uh, um great uh, deal of attention and place great deal of t- attention on and uh, our clubs are well aware of that
1: but but if it's a WHL team that wants to get player X out of Sweden and you that team approaches them to check to see if He'd be interested in coming over, and and that player's agent says, sure, he'd come over, but this is what it's going to cost you. Uh, And the WHL team says, no, we can't do that. But then the player ends up going to the OHL or the Q. Does that not raise some eyebrows?
2: Well, if that does occur, uh, we haven't, uh, that certainly hasn't, uh, I think there's been rumors to that effect, but there's never been anything that could justify that occurring, and uh uh, you know, our teams have not filed any complaints. This year's import draft just occurred and, uh, there has never been a complaint filed yet. So we're, we're, uh, not in a position really to, uh, to, uh, if that, if that did occur, if that situation you're just describing did occur, then obviously we would, uh, report that to the CHL and there would be an investigation conducted on, uh, the nature of that recruitment of that player. It
1: would be a tough p- position to be, uh, the, the team that missed out on that guy because they need to be for lack of a better word, tattling on an agent, and that guy's never going to give you a player down the road, so it, it might uh, be detrimental in the long run to actually report it.
2: Well, no, we don't believe that. We think that it would be important to, and you know, we encourage our clubs to report it, and, uh, and, uh, <clears throat> you know, there has been from time to time reports, uh, but nothing to, could be substantiated, so it's, um, yeah, it's just part of that process. Uh, we advise our clubs, so we advise, everyone within the system, that these are our rules and regulations. And uh, if something of that nature would occur, um, we would certainly be in a position to investigate it.
1: Big news this year for the Western Hockey League uh, with uh, the relocation of the Kootenai Ice to uh, another major a Canadian market in Winnipeg, and uh, boy, they uh, have got off the ball uh, pretty hot uh, there, uh, making lots of news here in the last couple of months. No bigger news than uh, the commitment of Matthew Savoy, who had applied for exceptional status I, and I guess had been turned down for it uh, by Hockey Canada. That's, again, for those listening, it's not a WHL decision, right?
2: That's a Hockey Canada decision, right. but uh, we really uh, believe Matthew's a very... You know, an outstanding young man, you know, saying you know, hockey player and, uh, he's going to really benefit by, uh, by, uh, entering our league and we're very pleased he's chosen the Western Hockey League to continue his development as a young player.
1: Now, as a 15 year old, the, the basic rule of thumb is you get to play a max five games until your club team is done for the season and, and throughout the year you can play two or three while the team is short players uh, that are off the U-17 or, or the World Junior or something like that. It's been reported in this case that he could see uh, upwards of 35, 45, maybe even 50 games this year because the Winnipeg Ice are going to carry a, a short roster. Uh, is that your understanding? And if that's if that is the case, and and they just call him up on emergency quote unquote uh, emergency recall basically all season, is that okay?
2: Well, there's uh, certain provisions within a uh, variety of agreements. Uh, Hockey Canada or Western Branch Agreement and so forth, in which we have the ability to play or play 15-year-old players. You referred to some of them. Um, we had—I'm uh, not sure where those numbers came from—but they're way beyond what they normally player of that nature would play. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we have um, certainly uh, there'll be some opportunity, and we hope Matthew can play as many games as possible. That'll be determined over the course of the season, and it'll also be determined somewhat by where he plays uh, this year. And um, <clears throat> so we're—you um, know—we're working through all that. But uh, he's, um, you know, just uh, we've had other players, Kirby Dock being one of them, picked third overall by the Chicago Blackhawks this year's NHL draft, a fourth Saskatchewan product, and he played Saskatoon Blades, played up to 20 games or so when he was in Saskatoon. So there's there's opportunity for these players to play, and we hope to give uh, Matthew as many games as we possibly can through the course of the season based on the regulations.
1: Yeah, Kirby played 17, I believe, but there wasn't an academy right in Saskatoon's backyard where he could play. Mm -hmm and be there available on on short notice. Dylan Gunther played eight games for the Oil Kings last year, and he was playing in Edmonton, so that helped. But in this case, would that almost be... Uh, I mean, are you, do you have any concerns moving forward, basically, of WHL teams starting to, to purchase academies nearby and, and loading them up with their star players and maybe circumventing this a little bit? Not that it's illegal uh, or anything. It just seems to be like they're... Doing a good job of exploiting a loophole, put it that way.
2: Well, there's uh, there's a number of our teams that have working relationships with academies, and and um, you know we partner with the sports school hockey league itself, and and uh, yes, in Winnipeg there are unique circumstances there because the ownership group is also involved with the rink academy, so it is hmm. uh, very convenient and. Uh, and it is part of our discussion certainly moving forward as to how that's all going to be positions. The the academies generally have really evolved over the last little while and uh but that's not to say that other teams haven't got access to other programs that are there too as well. So it's um it just happens to be uh, somewhat unique in that if Matthew does play in Winnipeg at the Rink Academy, uh, his ex, the, uh, the ability to access more games in Winnipeg with the ice will be certainly a, uh, uh, uh certainly an opportunity that uh, presents itself uh, on a more regular basis. Let's put it that way.
1: All right. There just a few more questions for you, Ron. I appreciate your time today. Uh, one of the questions that came in from a listener was about, uh, updated roster pages on the WHL website. And it's something I've mentioned uh, over the last couple of years as well. Right now, if I go to the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League's website, I can pull up a roster for a a respective team, Halifax, whatever, and see every player that that team holds the rights to on their preseason uh, roster page. I go to the WHL's website and I look at the Calgary Hitmen, Jet Wu isn't even listed uh, on their roster. In fact, it would be blank uh, for the, uh, the 2019 preseason. Uh, why is that, and how can we fix that moving forward? Because would you agree that it would be advantageous for uh, the fans, at least, to to generate interest and in, in being able to see the rights or the the players uh, that each team holds the rights to.
2: Well, I think it's a very good question. I'm glad you brought it to my attention. I'll certainly look into that. I think it's, uh, it's important that we keep current rosters. Uh, I'm not quite sure why that would be the case. And, uh, uh, but I will certainly look into it and, uh, would suggest to you that, uh, as long as there's ability to do that, that we would certainly have that information posted.
1: All right. Um, how can the league increase, uh, awareness uh, south of the border and, uh, maybe increase the uh, recruitment of American players? Uh, You've you've gone on record saying twenty two pla twenty two teams might be too many uh for the WHL and twenty was a comfortable number. Uh I'd counter argue and say there's enough players that just happen to be south of the border and you gotta woo them uh to come north. How do you do that?
2: Well, we work hard on that. Uh we've had a camp over like now for the last eleven or twelve years in Anaheim, our U.S. Prospects camp, we've got some new plans coming up for next season, which we'll be announcing shortly. Uh, we have a combine program, which goes into the U.S. We had a camp in Dallas last year. We're looking to expand that as well. So we have a number of ways in which we are um, delivering, I guess, uh, some experiences at camps in the, in the U.S. and also giving our scouts an opportunity to identify players. Uh, yeah, we agree that we think that there's an opportunity to get more uh, high caliber u.s players in our league and uh, with our five u.s based teams we think that's a, a real advantage in that respect but um we certainly value the u.s player uh our canadian players are always going to be the mainstream uh that's uh, represents uh you know 90 percent of what we do but uh we have room with 22 teams to complement that with with some top u.s players just like we have import players so we're looking to grow that number and uh and um and we have some plans to do that in the next in the upcoming seasons.
1: Uh one of the things people will notice well immediately when they go to the WHL's uh, website is a uh, giant green banner at the top called class action lawsuit information. Uh what was the uh, motivation of, to put that on the website?
2: Well, we're at a, uh, an interesting time in the uh in the class uh, action proceedings uh and this of course relates to our uh, <clears throat> players who are members of the class who need to be informed on the um on the, uh, the, the lawsuit against the, the Canadian Hockey League and Western Hockey League in this respect, and it was just an information uh, that uh, is 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 important right now uh, to to make sure that all of our players are aware of because we're at an opt-out period. Whereby there's a notification that's been sent to the players, and we want to make sure they're fully informed on the nature of the lawsuit. So that's why we have posted um, uh, prominently on our website.
1: Is there any update on the the whole legal proceedings at this point?
2: No, we're for um, so the case has been certified uh, for the Canadian teams. The U.S. teams are excluded, and we're just at that next stage um, uh, of um, determining when that trial date will be set. Uh, uh, for the matter in the meantime we've uh, had great success across the country gaining exemptions and acknowledgement of the fact that our players are amateur athletes so we think it's rather um, <clears throat> we'll see what the exercise and how it plays out but governments across the country have indicated that our players are amateur athletes and we are uh, we're uh, certainly think that's a big, gives us a very strong case moving forward
1: does it all come down to paying players minimum wage or are there concessions other other things that can be changed could you increase the the time a player can access the scholarship package to match, say, an entry-level contract uh, so that when that's done, then they would have to, till then, to decide rather than, uh, what is it now, 18 months, uh, something like Ooh. that. Are, are there th- other things, or does it all come down to minimum wage?
2: Well, first of all, I think when you look at our package uh, right now, the value of our package far exceeds uh, minimum wage. Uh, um, and uh, with all of the... Uh, Equipment, travel, uh, various support that we provide the players and to itself. It's a very significant package. In addition, of course, we have the scholarship program and so forth. We think the scholarship program is working extremely well. Sixty-five uh, percent of our players that are graduating or accessing the scholarship, our numbers continue to increase every year. So we think it's working extremely well. It was designed to really encourage players to get on with their education, and uh, that's exactly what it seems to be doing. But we're always open to to uh, adjustments we need to make make sure that the player experience is going to be as good as we possibly can make it. Uh, I think when you look at the investment that our clubs have made, not only in the education, but the quality of the, the hockey experience, uh, it is uh, it is uh, arguably the world's finest development league. And we're very proud of the fact that we uh, we um, have a great relationship with the players and the parents and their families. So uh, if we can continue to make improvements. That's what we're here to do for sure.
1: Mentioned the CHL president uh, a little earlier. Um, David Branch said, said that uh, he's going to step down from doing the dual role. Uh, what's your feeling about that? Is it, is it a good idea to have a fourth person that now would the CHL president answer to you guys or does he oversee uh, all operations of the Canadian Hockey
2: League? Yeah, the uh, new uh, full-time CHL president, I think it's important to... to uh To emphasize the fact that it will be a full-time position, Uh, this is extremely important from our standpoint because uh, really all three of us have uh, a full-time job in running each of our respective leagues, whether it's Dave Branch and running the Ontario Hockey League and Jill in Quebec and and myself in the West. so the new full-time president will report to the executive committee, which is Dave, Jill, and myself, okay. uh, three commissioners, and the board overall, uh, which is comprised of uh, three representatives from each of the three leagues. So, um, yeah, we're looking forward, uh, hopefully soon, to welcoming a new uh, a person to help uh, run the day-to-day oper- operations uh, of the uh, CHO.
1: Now, has the, uh, the process, the hiring process, uh, all right. Like, are you doing interviews, Ron?
2: Yeah, we're well underway on that. Uh, we started the Memorial Cup, and uh, uh, we're working our way through it. And uh, we have a search firm involved, and uh, we're hoping to um, that someone will be in place um, sometime before the start of the season.
1: All right. Lastly, uh, the Memorial Cup this year, back in the WHL, the Kelowna Rockets hosting uh, this year. What sort of things uh, can we expect over the course of the seating season, leading up to that, as the the Western Hockey League will be back in the spotlight?
2: Well, we're very excited. Of course, uh, the city of Kelowna and Kelowna Rockets hosting this year's uh, 2020 Memorial Cup. Uh, uh, of course, if those of us that can remember back in 2004, it was a real memorable experience. And Kelowna is a world-class destination as far as tourists are concerned. So it'll be uh, it'll be a great event uh, this year. I think it'll be another very highly competitive season. Uh, the Rockets have got a lot of work to do to. Uh, to get their roster to where they want it to do, but they've made some real improvements. They had four players drafted in this year's NHL draft, so I think there's lots of excitement there. And, and um, But I think it's going to be another very, very competitive season. Uh, and looking at the teams uh, that made some great runs in the playoffs last year that are just a, maybe a year away from, from being uh, that championship-caliber team, I think you're going to see some uh, not only great races during the course of the regular season, but I think our championship playoffs are going to be outstanding as well.
1: Looking forward to it, uh, Ron. As always, I really appreciate your time. I said we'd go about 25 minutes, and I kept you about 10 minutes longer than that. So, thank you very much. I appreciate it. We'll talk to you soon.
2: Thanks very much, Keith. Appreciate it. Bye bye now.
1: It's Ron Robinson, the commissioner of the Western Hockey League. Uh, appreciate his time, and thanks to uh, Taylor Roca from the league for uh, setting that up for me. And uh, thanks to all of you who um, submitted questions too. And again, I didn't. If I got 50 questions, I probably got to about 40 of them or at least the subject matter of them. There were a few that I didn't get a chance to get to. As you heard me say at the end there, I actually I told him, well, we'll probably go about uh, 20, 25 minutes. Hope you have that much time. And he said, yeah, should be no problem. Uh, But then we went almost 35. So I couldn't keep him as long as uh, it turned out that I could have. I probably had another 10 minutes worth of questions uh, to get to him. Some subjects I I didn't get to with him that I'll have to uh, try to get another day. For the break, remind you to check out the thestorenextdoor.ca. They uh, cover all the CHL Insider segments. Obviously, Ron Robinson would be a CHL Insider. Employing people with disabilities in uh, Yarmouth, Nova Scotia and uh, taking your broken hockey sticks and making some really cool products and, and items uh, for your fan cave or your sports bar if you own one or there's just so many things that you can do with them. If you're a fan, you can, you can get like uh, cowbells and things like that, noisemakers and you can take them to Well, not every rink because they don't allow them in NHL buildings, but certainly saw in the playoffs with the Prince Albert Raiders, they had uh, cowbells in the crowd at their games. Well, you can get that at the store next door. Check out the store next go through their catalog, which is uh, online and uh, really some really cool items, tables, chairs, uh, picture frames. If you have an idea, they'll try to customize something for you as well. And they get their broken sticks via donations so if you happen to be there you can take your sticks right to the uh, location there in yarmouth nova scotia as most of you are not various drop points uh, across the country you can uh, check out the website and they list a bunch of those here in edmonton united sport and cycle is the the place to take your broken sticks to and they will ship them out there on your behalf all right coming up next in the uh, final segment of the show today one of the questions I always get asked is, uh, how do you get it to, to be a GM of a of a hockey team? Or how do you get into scouting? How do you become a player agent? Well, to answer the question of a player agent, I've recruited a player agent to come on the show and uh, talk about exactly that. Uh, Jerry Johansson from the Sports Corporation represents several of the uh, biggest names in uh, hockey on the planet. You can hear from him on the Pipeline Show next.
2: And Doc will get back to it. Doc at his blue line comes to center, ducks around Leeson, in over the line on the wing, trying to go wide around Pahal Gets in front, shoots, and scores!
1: Ah, oh, let's go, Kirby Doc! Puts hand to the ear as if to listen for the booze from the crowd here at the Art Harrison Center. But what a brilliant individual effort by Kirby Doc! And the Blades have opened the scoring in Game Two in Prince Albert. I'm Kirby Doak of the Saskatoon Blades, and this is The Pipeline Show. Yeah! Oh,
0: I said, mama, sit a little in the you Oh, oh, I said, mama, it's a little in the for me. Oh. Bending to the middle, Mitchell grabs it, walks in on the back end, shoots, and scores! The Spruce Grove Saints are excited to unveil their first ever hockey school, taking place August 19th to 23rd right here at the Grant Fear Arena, brought to you by Subway and Humpty's Restaurants of Spruce Grove. This one-week hockey school includes over 10 hours of on- and off-ice instruction from Saints coaching staff and current Saints players. Each camp participant will receive a camp jersey and a t-shirt to keep and have one on ice and one off ice session per day. Each day will have a specific focus to enhance the skating, shooting, and puck handling skills of each player. Both boys and girls of all levels of all experience are encouraged to come out and take part. To cap off the week, each group will have a subway sub party with the Saints coaches, up in the Lounge. Visit Saints.ca to sign up for the Hockey School now. Click on the Hockey School tab on the right side of the page.